Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another beautiful, wonderful, experimental, trepidatious episode of Scene Partners, Scene Partners podcast with Chris McDallywells and Cody McWalker. <laughs> How are you doing? We're best friends. Yeah, you're we still, oh, am I, so we oh, have oh, a new oh, board oh. and we're trying some new things. I'm still number one. Oh. And Cody is having to make some adjustments. Yeah, okay. Oh, okay, I'm good. I'm is it good. better for you? I'm good. I'm Got set- your life all in order now? I'm settling in nicely to my, my little comfortable personality. <laughs> <laughs> Which one of your hats are you wearing today? I don't know. I guess we're going to see. It's kind of strange. I'm not really wearing many hats because I'm on a bit of a break. Yeah. And um, also, I'm like very interesting. I feel like I sound very strange. And I think maybe it's just because I'm hearing it since we have different equipment. Yeah. And it's it's we like both sound really different, yeah, for a loop. And but I'm gonna get used to it. I mean, maybe, gonna, maybe just, this is how we have always sounded. <laughs> maybe that is. Maybe that's true. Um, yeah, I'm on a I'm on a break. Well, I mean, it feels kind of like you're on you're on a break from one job and you're doing the other jobs that you do, but you just don't have the stress of that other thing. Yes, and that's very nice. So, I mean, there's a bit of uh, um. Hmm, Thinking about things you want to talk about that other people can hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, there, there's a little bit of stress going into like this next little piece of our life. Um, Lexi and I were talking the other day and we realized that really for the rest of our lives that this weekend is our last free weekend. Really? Well, yeah, because we will have... Um, we will have theater and we will have theater from now on every weekend until the baby. And then we have baby and theater. So it's like, then, then it's, 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 you're done. Yeah. Then it's a mad dash. Yeah. And until all the time. Yeah. For forever. So not that it's like a horrible thing. I'm not saying it's bad, but it was just kind of like this realization that that was what's kind of happening in our life. And it was like, Oh man, do we need to savor this? Because Lord knows everybody keeps telling us to. Yep. Ugh. Hey, I'm going to make it a little cooler in here. I would appreciate it. It's a little warm. It just got a little toasty. You get a little embarrassed by uh, not saying something that people could hear? Well, I was just talking about the... I was thinking about the possible stress of... Um, I've, got a, I've got a set to build and thinking about getting it done in a timely manner. And I feel like in the past, I'm not normally in the position that I'm in right now and i'm further along in this particular aspect and i'm not sure how i'm going to accomplish my goal and that stresses me out ah like i mostly did not like i feel like i tried to do what i needed to do to set myself up for success in this particular matter and i apparently failed Mm. so um and really the biggest reason behind it and i know the big reason behind it is i was kind of uncomfortable in this one situation and i did not communicate as well as i should have because it was uncomfortable too and so i really should have just been like hey i need to ask these questions yeah and and if the answer is no then i'll be able to make a plan but then it was almost like oh but i don't really want to ask this question is that, am I making any sense? No, no. I, I think um, I go through the same thing a lot, especially having to call customers or talk to people about oh, yeah. certain things. And when it's, I have to give them uh, 
a dislikable or um, something that is not a positive answer to something, I'd like put that off to the last minute, which is probably what you were doing. It's like, I don't want to get a no for this. Yeah. I don't want to like have to get involved in this conversation and figure out, you know, a different path. And from what I understand, it's all moving in this direction right now. And so living in ignorance is a whole lot easier than actually trying to pursue the truth. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I find that I probably do that more often than I should. Yeah. And, and it always feels so much better. You know, it's like having that phone call that you were just talking about that you know that you have to make or that email that you have to send. And then you, you spend so long and maybe it's just our generation. Maybe this is just what we do, but you spend so long thinking about it and obsessing about it and yada yada. And then you finally do it and you feel so awesome. Well, so, <laughs> how many times have you asked your friends to go ask your mom if you can go do oh, something? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the equivalent of doing that, but as an adult, yeah, you're like, I'm sorry, my mom, I, I couldn't find a friend to ask you. Yeah. And I think that it has something to do with the fact that I think that I am always somehow um, having to be portrayed as in the wrong even whenever I'm not like I take that path, like I will take the path of, Oh, you're right. I'm wrong. And I'll do whatever to fix it. Just so the problem goes away. Yeah. Instead of actually like standing up and being like, no, actually you're the one. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it sounds like you have played the antagonist in a lot of people's real life stories. Yeah. And And not just on stage, but yeah. And it's like, okay, I'll just, I'll just take the, I'll take the other road so that the situation is done and you can believe whatever. And then we can move on with our lives and that's fine. But, and so, and it also like, I think that I, I think that I always get cast as the, um, the one who doesn't necessarily know. And I don't know if this is also like just a generational issue or, or what it is, but it's like, you have to, like you, you know, the right way to do something Mm -hmm. and you're working with someone who's older than you and you know that they are doing the wrong thing that's going to lead down the the wrong path. And you like say this one time and then they glaze over you kind of gaslight you a bit. And then you're like, okay, well, we'll do your thing and we'll go down this road and then we will eventually figure it out. And how nice it would be if I was just a jerk, I guess. And was like, no, that's not what we're doing we're going to do this. Yeah. And instead of being like, oh yeah, I wish I would have thought of that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's crazy. I said that 12 times. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. But I, anyways. Um, So I'm kind of, I hadn't uh, really gotten excited about what we were going to talk about until a little bit ago. And I started thinking about um, some different topics and some things that have been kind of going through my mind. And one thing is the, uh, it's, it's definitely the, um, the influence that theater has on religion mm-hmm. and how it has had that in the past. And then how also religion has had an influence on theater, like how through time those things have kind of melded and I think since, you know, we have a theater company in the South and um, where like, you know, Christianity is is literally I mean, you you can't drive anywhere without counting at least 100 churches sometimes yes. right across the road from one another. 
and um, which is a great game that I play whenever we drive out to my parents' <laughs> house. I mean, it's like this town has a population of 1,500 people, and there are three Baptist churches, and they're all in the same block. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, the, the Count the Church game is fun. But it's just interesting thinking about like going through time, how people used entertainment in a sense as a way to tell stories of faith and like bring people onto their side, not necessarily in the form of religion, but also might in the, the way of like following a particular politician throughout history or, um, you know, whatever a movement, whatever it might be like you get people on your side by, a very interesting form of entertainment. And mm-hmm. I think that my own personal opinion, um, which I guess if you're listening to this podcast, that's why you're listening <laughs> is that like modern day religion has jumped on the entertainment train. And we see a lot of this now around religious holidays where, or at least this is what I'm kind of noticing is the like, influx of uh, churches and exotic animals um, being paraded through their churches mm-hmm. and being like, look, this is, it's Christmas. We got a camel. <laughs> Come to our church service because we got a camel. It's a bedding suit. Yeah. Also Jesus. But the camel's here. And people leave and they're like, did you see that camel? That's crazy. Well, I would say. That other church had a zebra. There was a zebra at the birth of Christ? I may guess there was. Maybe there was. <laughs> if that's what you're walking away saying, then I think you kind of missed the point. Yeah, but I mean, so many people are that way. And then, you know, of course, I've, I've been thinking about this and probably said it out loud a couple of times. So then my phone has shown me videos of like church fails of like people with exotic animals and these animals are being paraded through the church and they're basically being put in this extremely stressful environment for them with crazy loud music and a dark room with flashing lights. And they of course panic because why would, I mean, I panic when I go, it's not their environment. It's not their environment. And so like this one, there was literally a camel that just stopped moving. And the guy was like tugging on it, trying to get it to go on stage and, they he didn't want to move and so he just laid down and on his way there wasn't enough space so he fell on a pew with like a whole bunch of people on it and they couldn't get him to move and people are screaming and i'm like that's what you get you brought a camel into the church yeah but i just i've been thinking about that and like the basically how you know people talk all the time about how theater is dying but in the South, I think theater is alive and well in the form of religion. Mm-hmm. And I've been, I, this has just been something that's been bouncing around in my head for quite a while. And I haven't necessarily found the right words to be able to articulate it, which is why I think it's healthy to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing like really talking about something and taking a strong stance before you've t- fully formed yeah, your let me opinion. Hop on my soapbox and then unpack it <laughs> after the fact. I mean, I just, I, I guess there's just, Obviously, like religion is a sensitive topic for people because it's something that they feel um, no matter what religion or faith or if you don't even have one. I mean, people are passionate about not having a faith. You know, I mean, it's feeling their whole identities into it. Yes, exactly. In a lot of cases. And most of the time, like for me, I just like I'm fascinated by it and I'm interested in having the conversation. But I do think that, you know one positive thing out of this highly theatrical version 
um, of church services that people are doing, you know, even at these mega churches is that it is basically fueling the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember having a conversation with the people at ZFX when somebody came down to, um, to rig up some stuff at the theater and they were, they were like, yeah, we've been to this town so much and it's to go to these churches mm-hmm. and put in these riggings. And they were basically saying like, you know, if it weren't for churches, we would probably go out of business at this point because theaters don't do enough of this kind of, you know, it's so expensive. They don't do enough of this stuff because they can't afford it. Yeah. So if we were waiting for a, nothing but theaters if we were theater exclusive then we wouldn't have a business anymore i'm like well that is very interesting because you don't really think about like oh when i go to church i'm going to see someone fly on a theater swing yeah that's true (laughs) like where does that make its way in and i'm sure if you look at it through history i mean in a sense, I guess it's kind of like what the Greeks were doing and, you know, like the Elizabethan theater was full of it, you know, like tr- using the theater to influence people's religious beliefs and their political beliefs and also the way that they felt and looked at history. And so I guess, you know, it, and and just, you know, the fact that theater and the Catholic Church have such a tumultuous relationship, really, from the beginning of them trying to, like, basically end theater in England and then bringing it back in the form of cycle dramas and those kinds well, of things. Funny you should say cycle, but because like in theater history, it's all cyclical. It's like, yeah, it rises up and then it melds with the church and then mm-hmm. it wants to break away from it. And right. then it rises up and melds with the church and then it wants to break away from it. And, and I hadn't really thought of it like that, but that is exactly, that is exactly true. Yeah. And, and kind of like talking about the entertainment industry. I mean, I know that a lot of people get up in arms about say, new Disney films that have been released here recently in talking about like sort of, and I haven't watched the movie. I don't have an opinion on it one way or the other. And I would say that if you haven't watched the movie then you really shouldn't have an opinion on it one way or the other, because you don't have firsthand information on it. But in talking about like the film red, turning turning red. red, Yeah. Um, (laughs) Can you imagine if Disney did red by John Logan about Mark (laughs) Rothko? It's like Mark Rothko. That would be Mark such Rothko an is a giant panda just destroying painting. Anytime he gets upset, he just turns into a panda, just raging. Yeah, what is red? Yeah, but um, it's it's kind of the the same principle where um, people's issue with yeah, and I I did watch the movie and I do not understand any of the issues that people are necessarily having. I mean, I get that maybe you don't want to have a conversation about some of these things with your kid and that's whatever. I mean, don't let them watch it. Yeah. Like it's that easy. Like it doesn't mean that you have to boycott an entire industry because you don't like one thing about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I hate Walmart, but it's convenient. And so I'll use it. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, it doesn't mean that I agree with everything that they do. Mm -hmm. It's just so strange to me that you'd just be like, Oh, I hate this one thing even though it really tells a great story for people of a certain age. It's like you can't make everybody happy all of the time. And, you know, for somebody who's like a younger female, like a kid anywhere between the ages of like seven and 14, especially if they, if they're, you know, Chinese American or Japanese American, I mean, this is a huge movie for them. Mm -hmm. And, why would you take that away from them just because, you know, oh, this this really upset Sally and I had to have a conversation with her 
about menstruation. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry, but, but it, it, that's it, gonna happen. It is the same principle then if you're putting on sort of these passion plays or you're doing sort of these things that talk about like, say the, the, in Christianity where, you know, Jesus died and he rises up again. Right. Well, to mm -hmm. someone who is not of that faith, they may find that offensive. Right. So like, where do we draw the line then? And then it's like, well, are we going to boycott entertain? Well, if we can't entertain and, you know, speak love to the masses, then should we do it at all? But yeah, it's not like, I just, I just think it's very, very interesting. It's also like you're using you're basically using entertainment to make money for your church. And I find it interesting because so many people, you know, um, like we have a big church in town and they put on a huge passion production, you know, around Easter. And so many people have been talking about how it's the best theatrical performance that ever happens in our community. And as somebody who produces theater, um, like actual theater, I like and try really hard not to be offended by that because mm -hmm. I also realize that it is probably the only thing that these people have seen um, in the year. And then also like it does kind of just reinforce that thing that for most people, like for the masses louder, faster is better. Yeah. <laughs> like well, something's loud and quick, then they're doing other things too. Like we typically use, all of our tool sets, but not to the extent that I would say that maybe they're using it, right? Where they are weaving probably, I don't know, I've not seen this production in particular mm -hmm. and I've never seen it, but I'm assuming that they're probably weaving in like songs and music um, into this. Well, I don't know because they're like live streaming this and I don't like, you have to have the rights to the music and stuff. Yeah. You're going to record it at there, all. There's some music that gets, that that is in there that is but either in the way actual, you're using this to evoke emotions too yeah. right so but the music that's in the messiah messiah is is most of it is public domain anyway okay but, so it's like older hymns and things like that am i correct yeah okay. um but it's really not so much about the music it is more about the message well i mean yeah, I yes, well, what i'm saying this. is you're using all of these other things yeah in order to also invoke this other you know, to tell the story rather. You're also like playing to people's emotions that, you know, you have to think you already go into this space fully agreeing with what you're about to see mm -hmm. or else you wouldn't be there. Like an atheist isn't going to go watch the passion. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's just not going to happen. So it, it's just, um, it's not necessarily like you're changing anybody's mind. You're just fueling something that they already believe, which is basically like, you know what Facebook does. Yeah. You're just like, Oh, here's more information. It's not so much like, let's challenge it. Let's see what, you know, what new thing we can do or, or whatever. Um, and also a zebra. So that's, that's also really, a zebra. That's like the one thing that so many people have said to me about it. They're like, I mean, Jesus came in on a real donkey and we're like, Oh my God. That's crazy. That must be a great show. That was a white guy playing <laughs> Jesus, though. So <laughs> uh, this is so ridiculous. Well, the, okay. So here's, I mean, this is sort of a touchy subject anyway, but I'm, I've thought about this for years because with the, the film, The Passion of the Christ, right? Most people have seen it, especially in the South, and it's kind of heralded as this like beautiful, great, you know, Christian thing or whatever. Yeah. And like, I've, had sort of more of a troubled relationship with it because I see it as 
sure you want to spread this message or spread whatever you know you you have from this but i also see that this was a monetized thing mm-hmm. studios and everybody made a buttload of money off of this right yeah and there is monetary gain from that mm-hmm. is, i like it's really like, struggle it's, the, with it's that. like the joel olstein thing or even the billy graham thing like you know people almost like fall to the altar of these people that are like famous preachers or you mm-hmm. know that have these evangelical careers instead of like you know following the actual religion it's more like they're following the dude yeah and enjoying what they have to say it's like are you going to well, it's known as prosperity gospel truthfully yeah, yeah like are you going to church for this like the same feeling that you can get from reading a meme or like, yeah like what what is what is it about i mean and i know that's not necessarily what you know this this is probably like weaving a little off topic from what our podcast actually is but interest uh, like religion deeply fascinates me i think because i'm deeply fascinated in the way that people think and feel mm-hmm. and it's just interesting how you know incredibly sensitive and wrapped up people can be in certain things without questioning any of it and in then questioning everything else that might go against it like instead of questioning the they don't it's like the people don't question the right things like in like with the disney thing like i'm not going to question why i am having this response i'm going to question them for making it yeah like no i think maybe you need to think about what happened to you to make you feel this way about this movie that clearly does not apply or appeal to you and why you care so much about it that you're going to cancel your 599 subscription. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is like, I know that when I get upset, I always have to, or get anxiety. I take a step back and I have to say what in this environment right now is triggering this response from me. Yeah. What, what, what about this is making me sort of like have a higher blood pressure. Mm. And then I can, if I trace it back, it's like, Oh, it's got nothing to do with, you know, all of these external factors. It's all me. Right. I'm the problem here and I need to work on moving past this. Well, it's kind of like I know that in particular, like when I went to go and see this like religious showing that's made a really big deal of in our town, I was not a happy person. (laughs) Like it did not sit well with me necessarily in the way that they were going about it and I just had a lot of like moral qualms with it. And so I know that and I'm not going to go. It doesn't mean that I'm going to tell people that they shouldn't or like literally like crap on them for going and saying like, oh my God, I can't believe you went and you did this. And then I'm going to get on Facebook and write three paragraphs about it and my opinion because it doesn't matter. Yeah. What is that going to do? Nothing. And I I just, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. But I do think it is interesting that you know this that the church has such a um a, almost like this abusive relationship with the theater <laughs> throughout all of I history love you. i hate you i yeah. love you i hate you <laughs> and like i don't like you Will but they, i won't they but it's like i don't you know necessarily want people to see theater and or like have these other thoughts but i'm also going to support it in this other strange way by bringing the theater literally into our church services mm-hmm. Now, I do think that there is some, okay, so I um, was privileged to uh, be able to ask 
to be asked at the church that um, I play music at and everything mm-hmm. um, to deliver a monologue. And they allowed me the opportunity to write it and then to perform it. And in that, it's all about, because we I'd looked through some others that were sent to me and, and try to find some. And it was all about trying to interweave all of these other things. And in my mind, I couldn't reconcile that. So it was like, what is this person, this character thinking in this moment? Yeah. And that to me was so important. And it's not about like trying to build, build sort of this orchestrated thing. Mm-hmm. It's about telling the human response, the human reaction, the the humanity of maybe their last moments or this quote unquote, come to Jesus moment. Right. Yeah. And that to me is really sort of the story and should be the message if you're mm-hmm. going to interweave these things. And I think there is a place for it within theater. I just don't know that it's charging 30, 40 bucks, depending on where you sit yeah. to see the performance. Yeah. I we mean, we're so close to the donkey. <laughs> oh my goodness. I literally still have one of his hairs on my coat. <laughs> I have it on there. It's 80 degrees in there. I don't even care. I was bundled up. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, I, I know that this was probably a sensitive thing to talk about just because it is always scary, you know, religion and politics. So people don't like to hear or talk about it. Um, but it is, it is very interesting and finding, you know, things in theater where it actually talks about it in an interesting way, like, uh, like the play Christians, which our buddy Ty Cedars loves so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a really interesting play. It's and I I really like it. I like it's like stance on you know the, the message. I think that it that it has to say or the way that it you know talks about religion is kind of the way that I feel about it. So I think that, that is also a reason why I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is correct is because it like affirms my own belief in a sense. Well, you can live in that echo chamber all you want. <laughs> hello, hello. Oh, I told yeah. you there was someone else in here. <laughs> You surprised yourself with <laughs> that did, one. Yeah, that, that was great. Me, yeah. You're like, I'm really good at that. Um, but anyway, I, that that was just kind of something that's been on my mind um, as far as like where do, like is there a place down here in this area for people like us like that have a theater company that's trying to like scrape by and get, you know, people to come and see these plays that, we feel like are stories that aren't being told that should be told. And um, meanwhile, like you have churches that are packing the house to go and see, you know, their performances with people who aren't necessarily interested in theater. And that's not what it's about, but people are leaving saying that's the best show that we have in town. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I guess that's, that's true. They definitely have the budget for it. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, Mm. So that's that now that you you sort of framed it that way, I'm, I'm starting to think about it in the way that most people won't watch like an indie film versus like, say, an MCU film. Yeah, right, right. And so like, where's your place? Yeah, it's like I don't I don't always want the, the popcorn filler film. Mm-hmm. I would like to be told this, you know, human story. You do want to think a little bit every once in a mm-hmm. while. I mean. And not that there isn't a place in, you know, churches for doing stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't care. They can do this as much as they want. I think it's more or less just the comparison of like, in my mind, I'm like, this is not legitimate theater. 
you know, this is not, you're, you're almost like throwing us into this realm where in a sense you basically just put on an $80,000 skit at your church. So then <laughs> I really, I really do want to push up against you a little bit just to say that, are you really upset about this in general? Or are you upset because someone made a comment that was like, <laughs> this is better than anything else anyone's doing in town? I mean, it's no, I like, I, I think about this a lot and yeah, I have heard that people say that and it is that it, that to me is interesting but it is something that i think about just because like why do we continue to i mean i'm always thinking why do we continue to do this like is this the right thing that we should be doing like are we doing are we just spinning our wheels am i wasting my time and i think a lot of that comes from just kind of being in a place where i you know am kind of tired <laughs> and it's it's like my brain, like the, the, you know, I wrote on the board, like, what do you do when you, you keep dipping from the creative well and it's running dry because you're just doing so much. And I'm thinking like, why are we trying this hard when it's this easy, you know, to do it this way and succeed? So why not just play into obviously what people want? Well, so I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I, I watched this um, YouTube series with these um, CGI artists react, whatever. And they are looking for new hires and they say, understand that when we ask people to send in their portfolios, we're not looking at just their portfolios. We wanna see what you're doing in your downtime. Show us that other stuff that you have going on because you can see somebody that's really passionate about something because they'll do it for free, mm -hmm. basically. So it's like, what are you doing in your off time? Is it spent you know, doing this or is it just doing the project? And in the same way, I would say that, sure, you could do those things that people will say is the greatest thing that this town's ever done, but it would never fulfill you. And you would never be fully satisfied nor happy. Sure, it could be lucrative, but that's not why you do it. Well, no, but whenever you, you want don't to. have something, you normally focus on how you get it. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so in this case, it's money. I don't have. I want money, money and I want people like, in the seat. This is the way and I do me it. I did a good job. Well, and it's also like, you know, if, if you're doing something and there isn't an audience for it, I think I've said this before on the, on the podcast, but like, if you're doing something and there isn't an audience for it, why do you continue to do it? Like, are you just screaming into the void, which I know is not what we are doing because clearly we have an audience and people come and see our stuff and like our, our audiences are always very generous and, you know, very, um, thankful for the shows that we do and we get a lot of great comments and that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, and it not saying that that is why we do it, but it is that, that always is a nice little pickup. Yeah. But it, it does kind of feel like sometimes, okay, well like, are we doing this for ourselves then? Because like, I don't do theater for me, you know? True. And so, but I would say, the important thing is like when we did to kill a mockingbird, if even one person walks out there out of that place changed, mm -hmm. then it was all completely worth it. Yeah. Okay, okay. Which really should be the goal of if we're mixing, you know, churches with theater mm -hmm. should always be the goal. Right. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I'm just like <laughs> trying to have a conversation <laughs> with you about it. Yeah. All right. That's fine. That's fine. I'll, get, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> I mean, I jumped into this without fully knowing where it was going to end up. Yeah, I didn't know this is, uh, I didn't even actually look at the board. So it's uh, written in green. I, it was an afterthought. 
I see that now. Okay. <laughs> well, like you jumped in and my eyes got like, wide. I was like, what are we doing? You're like, oh, it's not prepared. Well, here, here goes our listener base. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm so sorry. Well, I think that it's important to be able to have hard conversations where you actually have to question why you think or feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that it is bad that they're, that, you know, religious organizations are putting on shows or, you know, whatever. I, I don't know if you could say shows. I don't know what to call them other than productions. There it is. So that they're, that they're producing something. And I don't think that it's bad for them to do that or that they shouldn't. I'm just that the, in my mind, since, you know, you basically dedicate your life to this thing that you protect and you feel like this, this, uh, cherished, little thing for <laughs> you know that you have it up on this pedestal and then um and you you know pour your heart and your soul into it and somebody comes by and they're like oh well these people over here that aren't actual like theater artists they're doing the best and like look at their production values and isn't this amazing and you're like oh, like i really wish i had as much money as those churches that would be i mean awesome. to be able to pour 60 i don't actually know the actual cost value of putting on something oh, like that oh my god i cannot even imagine but i have to imagine it's probably six figures but i'm gonna be polite maybe 60 grand plus yeah easy yeah i mean i know how if we easy had that it is, disposable income to, i know how easy it is to spend 30 grand on a show i can imagine you know when you get yeah yep yeah, it's a lot. I don't even like thinking about it. It just like it makes me nauseous. Yeah, <laughs> and then it also makes me think like, what is the purpose? Like, what? Why are we? Why? Why is this happening? But you know, that's like a whole Hopefully other. Hopefully, it is the same. You know, value message that at least one person you know changes their life one way or the other. Yeah, I guess I just have my own uh, my own preconceived notions as to the motives behind it and i don't feel like there is there is correct and maybe that's what it is it's my own my own stuff my own stuff coming through well i would say that your your problem was with humanity yeah and not religion (laughs) (laughs) yeah no that's that is that is true that is true um so there are a whole bunch of other things on the board and one of those things we kind of touched on just a little bit but um and, and that is the, the like, what do you do whenever you're working so hard and you feel the like creative well running dry? And I think that one of the things for me is finding ways to kind of fill the, like find some passion in something and get somebody to motivate you in mm-hmm. a way. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I've been discovering in that, you know, when you teach, um, like you're, you're teaching constantly. You're not necessarily doing anymore and you're not challenged in the aspect of the thing that you loved very much. And you're not moving forward. You're just helping other people move forward. And then you have to figure out ways to like, okay, now that I've basically emptied all that out, like how do I now challenge myself and find ways for me to now also continue to grow in this thing? And I'm pretty sure that I've been failing really hardcore on that. Like just having time to actually even work on what I do. I mean, I feel like, you know, so much in theater and smaller communities, you spend so much time working on problem areas that whenever you have, you know, if you have somebody who's never done a show before, you're going to focus on making sure that person is as comfortable as possible and that they know what they're doing, that they 
are going to do the best job they can possibly do. And then you're going to allow somebody else who probably could have gone further than they are, but we're doing an okay job to stay at that okay job point Mm -hmm. because you're throwing all of your energy into this other area. And I feel like that's kind of what I've ended up doing with myself. Well, I've noticed a pattern like with learning music and, and becoming a better musician over time. It's like I will learn so much and then I'll plateau for a while, then yeah. learn so much and then plateau. And I feel the same way as like a theater artist in mm-hmm. the same way. Like I'll learn something and it's like, oh, great, but I want more challenge and I won't find it for a while. And then I'll find something that's really hard to dig my heels into and yeah. then or sink my teeth into. And then I feel like I grow exponentially. And that's just, maybe you haven't had that thing that's challenged you in a minute. Well, I think I just, I I do think that I need someone to basically say, you're doing it wrong. You need to do it. Well, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) You need to do it this way. (laughs) Ah. (laughs) Like, what about this? You know, basically like, you know, fulfilling kind of my own role for myself, Mm -hmm. you know? And, you know, it's, it's not that that hasn't necessarily happened. I mean, you have been like crazy helpful for me in the past in shows, especially, um, and to kill a mockingbird. And that was great. But I guess I feel like since then, you know, it's kind of like the trap of the musical and just also like having to direct a show that you're also in. And I know that I just said having to, because I, you get to, no, I really feel like that's a have to. (laughs) Like <laughs> this is a half to situation. Yeah. I mean, I do get to do both of those things. I do, but that is not ideal. That is not the situation that you want to be in. Well, I would say the, the, the big thing, especially like with to kill a mockingbird, like this is ultimately your vision. Right. Yeah. And so who is someone to even step in to say, Oh, we're, you're, you're doing it wrong. It's like, no, but this is the show that we're creating. Yeah. This is how we want it to look, but you can't see, you can't see yourself is the problem. Mm -hmm. And I know that I have things that I do are probably like weird actor takes that I have no idea about. And, you know, I just remember getting hammered. Um, I was going to say getting hammered in college. And yeah, that happened too. But uh, but just getting like hammered on just constantly about, you know, weird little ticks or whatever mm-hmm. and trying to fix those things or, you know, way I said certain words. And Lord knows that I didn't fix all of that and that they must still be happening. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. I just feel like somewhere along the way, I, I just, I'm looking forward to the challenge like i love whenever you and i do the two-man show is mm-hmm. so great because that in itself is its own challenge but i'm interested in but that's so much of like oh wait if you do this then then i'll do this yeah and back and forth and such but you know like i i was listening to um i was listening to this musical that's not necessarily new i don't think i don't really know much about it it's called the green something um green light maybe uh it is a musical about a nun and it is so weird it is so strange and very like new age and i'm pretty sure that the the character of the nun is made up of like five different people that play the different parts of this woman's body 
and they all sing with one another and they're like it is the strangest it's one of the strangest musicals i've ever listened to and was listening to it in the car with lexi and she was not about it <laughs> she was like she was like oh my god i mean luckily she's incredibly kind or patient or loves both me. all of it all of the above and was letting me like go through all of that but i just was listening to it and thinking i this is this is not something that i necessarily would crave to do but dear god the challenge of it just seems so interesting to me of of how to make this make sense yeah and could i do it and that's exciting could we do it here 100 percent, no could never do that here and that's kind of like this the new musical that's out right now and on broadway called uh, a strange loop which um is a super interesting play written by an african-american gay man about an african-american gay man mm -hmm. and like it's definitely his experience and the show is it it is very odd as well it's not it doesn't follow an, like what you would expect from a normal musical and just the like i haven't finished the whole thing um it was a little heavy for on the way to work at six in the morning but <laughs> <laughs> let me take this heaviness to, yeah, to these kids. like i don't know if this is what i need to be you know going into middle school with today but it it just all right everyone today's a melancholy day <laughs> uh, but it just it it's just interesting that these people are free enough i guess is the thing that i'm going through right now is the the absolute freedom to do these things and to be brave enough, I guess it's the, the like bravery of jumping in and doing something so crazy and how exciting that must be because, you know, at a certain point you do have to think kind of like when we were talking about religion earlier, like you said, well, there goes our listener base, but that's true. It is so easy. You know, if Disney loses people, dear God, how easy would it be for us to lose someone Yeah, just for doing, you know, one show that they happen to not like or have a problem with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then that person never comes back. And I feel there's a part of me that's like, well, okay, whatever, that's fine. Like, we obviously didn't need that person to begin with. But then there's another part of me that's like, oh, God, we do need that person. Yeah. <laughs> like, we need that person there. If they're willing to go see a show. We need them. You know, you, you talked about the bravery of, and not to, like, steer away from that, you know, again, <laughs> But um, you talk about the bravery of these people doing these things. And I heard someone say, and I forget exactly how they phrased it, but if you're not afraid to fail at something, you'll never get good at it. Yeah. And I thought that was so profound. It's like, yeah, it's okay. Like, like Dak Shepard says all the time, you have to give yourself permission to suck at something mm -hmm. so that you can get better. And it's like that um, monologue that I had the opportunity to write and that had like six different drafts before I'd even submitted it. Right. It's like nothing is ever good the first time. And mm -hmm. I struggle with that. I want it to be like, this is a masterpiece right now. Right. But you have to go through an editing process. Yeah, of course. In all things. And well, it, and I do think that I do worry all of the time, you know, whenever you do uh, shows that you're, you're really proud of. And of course there are always things that you wish that you could fix. Yeah. Especially whenever it's over and you're like thinking back on it, you're like, Oh my God, why didn't I fix this one moment? And you forget about the fact that, there were all these other fires that you had to put out and that mm -hmm. just didn't make it. And uh, anyway, but you know, you do think we put on these good shows and everything so far has been, 
you know, successful and where's, when is it going to happen where it doesn't work? <laughs> yeah. And I think about that every single time. Like I go into the room and you're like, okay, I said this that a few weeks I'm... ago and you told me you can't have doomsday thinking. <laughs> well, you can't bring that with you everywhere you go. It's and true. Now you're doing... <laughs> no, I'm saying I do think about it, but I'm not like, <laughs> look, I'll tell you whatever I want to tell you. How about that? I'm going to live my own life. <laughs> this, uh, you, you got to stop steering the ship in these wishy-washy ways well i don't want you to have that but that doesn't mean i'm not going to well i and it's not that like i know that it's going to be good in the end but you do kind of worry whenever it's your vision and your process and you're putting it together and all that stuff that you're like oh my god did i like there's always going to be a voice in the back of your head that's saying you might not have done it right oh yeah like this is the time this is when it doesn't come together you know and that is worrisome in itself to me. But, you know, like right now we're I'm in my mind, I've been gearing up for the little women rehearsals and, you know, our little kids show at school is opening in like two and a half, three or three weeks and three weeks. And um, and then right after that, I mean, we I'm going to be doing two shows at once. I mean, we're going to be doing the kids summer workshop at the Fox the same time that we're rehearsing little women mm -hmm. and knowing how, you know, stressful that can, can be on top of, you know, us having our first child is like, okay, making sure that all of these things are going to happen and that I'm not the reason that anything in this process is being, you know, that something is lacking that I'm going to be the one that's taking away from the process and makes it not as great as it could be because I don't have time, which is one reason why I sent that thing earlier in our group message about um, that my friend Lisa actually posted, and she uh, she said, um, "Do you?" It was it was like, "Don't confuse free time or stop." Con we need to we need to normalize uh, the the stopping of free time versus availability. Yeah, like. And to me, I just kept thinking about that. And I was like, man, that is true because I do, I feel so guilty whenever I come home and I don't work on something. Like if I just, if I were to sit down and read or like sit down and play a video game or watch TV or whatever, the whole time I'm thinking, like I have this thing in the back of my mind being like, you need to be working on something. You're not doing what you need to do yeah. the whole time. Or, you know, even just telling people no is also difficult. Yeah. Well, I don't really have that problem, but, but I know the, the whole <laughs> nagging of like, I should be working on something that's more conducive or productive with my time for well, sure. Like in my mind with the telling people no thing is of course I want to help other people out, especially that are, you know, trying to do something artistic in our community. But at the same time, like you just don't have that extra space. Yeah. It's like I used to be on the board uh, the arts council in our community used to be on the board and I went in for the first couple of meetings and I was trying really hard to like make that work because they had asked me to be a part of it and um, didn't necessarily like, I, I don't think they really necessarily wanted me there so much. <laughs> so there was someone telling you that you were doing it wrong. <laughs> kind of. Well, I don't think that they, they, I just, um, you had too many new radical ideas. I think that I was a little more out of the box than what they were necessarily wanting. And mm -hmm. as far as like what role an arts council 
should serve. But beyond that, like I did learn earlier on, I was like, oh, okay, this is a keep my opinions to myself situation. And you want to use my truck and my uh, physical presence. And that's, that's fine. And I will help yeah. out in whatever way I can. This doesn't have to be, this doesn't have to be my project. This can be somebody else's thing. Well, for me, because I am a, I would consider myself a helper in a lot of senses. And the reason I had to learn the word no was exactly that. People capitalizing and yeah. taking so much of my time. And it's like, I love investing in people that also invest in me. Yeah. And then when it's always, I'm only going to call you when I need something from you, mm -hmm. then I'm out. Right. Like I, I love, again, love helping people and I love doing things for people, but when they're, yeah, I feel like you're always doing stuff for someone. It's like when, when people don't, um, invest that time back to me, then I'm out. Right. Well, I mean, and eventually I think that, uh, I came to the realization as well as, uh, the rest of the members of the board that I just simply did not have time. Oh, you just came to it later than them. Well, Yeah. It was, you don't have time to be a part of that. Well, it was also the like, <laughs> you know, the nature of a board is very different than of an artist. I mean, when you think about here, a board is going to sit down and they're going to talk about ways to accomplish something and to get money. And like, how are we going to put on this event? And where is the money coming from? And how are we going to get sponsorships? And how who who's putting in, you know, X amount of money? When is it going to happen? Scheduling, all that kind of stuff where like I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. And so we do, we do so much theater that I don't have time really yeah. to sit and just talk about the possibility of doing something or adding anything else onto the table where I would have, you know, I would have loved to have been able to help them out in whatever way that I could. Um, but you know, that's neither here nor there. Well, I hate that, that whole discussion of potential. Yeah. It's like, no, let's do it. Let's take action. Yeah. The do is, the do is better for me. Um, I don't, I don't know how long we've been going on. We can be done. <laughs> I was just wondering. Like, I think we walked on a tightrope uh, for, for a minute or you two. Jump in. I, I'm just obviously feeling a little like feistery in my, I can see. Yeah. When you got up on that, I was like, there's a hundred other things and I see it now at the very freaking bottom. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's the thing. All right. Wait, did it is on the bottom? Uh, it's somewhere down there, right? Oh, no. What I put on the, no, it's just written in green. It's actually near the top. What I was thinking was is that it would be nice, you know, I, I also sat down while you were, you know, playing with the new toys. Um, I was thinking we have not done like a random questions episode. Oh my like, gosh. I have forgotten all about doing like those. almost a year. <laughs> hey, we're coming up this um, August. It's two full years. Yeah. it's going to be like two years. That's insanity. How's that even possible? I don't know, but it now feels like it's always been a part of yeah, our lives. It feels like it's, this is what we do. Um, and to think that we were literally doing this once a week. It's kind of yeah. wild to me. Yeah. Like, did we even have that much to talk about? Did we talk? Like, <laughs> did people enjoy this I show? don't think so. I think the format has now changed several times. But it was so interesting at first. We were like, oh, we're going to bring these ideas. Like, oh, back in the day, we talked. We're going to research stuff. Here's a whiteboard. If we get to it, who knows? 
But the exciting also thing just is, just remember how nervous we were. Oh. I mean, I was so I did not think it was going to be weird and nerve wracking. We sat down to start and it was like, hey. oh my god, hey man, how hey. do you even do this? I think just you know forgetting that people actually listen to this is is my is the way that I make it through. Well, it's also been super nice and and humbling and such a privilege to have people come up to us yeah. and they'll talk to us about things on the podcast. And I'm gonna be a thousand percent honest. And I listen back to these. Don't remember. Yeah, I, I like. <laughs> I forget sometimes that you know we. There are some people that you know we're friends with, and we're pretty much in their car every two weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, with them for a while, and then, and then you see them, and it's like actually, it feels like for you that we've had a conversation when I feel like I haven't seen you in forever. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, it's just kind of like a thought that I had last night when we were at a get together talking to one of our friends. I was like, it feels, it feels like I keep having these one-sided conversations with you. And I would also like to listen to your opinions. I would <laughs> argue that most conversations with you are one-sided conversations. Well, you can, <laughs> I would say that there'd be no argument. Mm, yes. I would just agree. I would agree. Um, but I would be interested to, you know, like the questions episode, I was thinking about that and about how we hadn't done it in a long time. And then I thought, you know, is there something that the people who listen to us on the reg that would, you know, that they want to hear? Like, is there something that they want to hear from oh, us? Oh, yes. That's that's a fair question and, to throw out. You know, and I definitely don't think it's because you and I ever have a problem finding something to talk about, but it's just... You know, just be interesting to, you know, have, you know, some, some, something else yes. from someone else. Um, but we will have opinions think, from other people. That's true. We are going to have in the guest. very near future. I mean, I feel like our next episode, we're going to have our guest. We hope so. Because she didn't necessarily pan out today. No. <laughs> but everything is all set up. We've got the new board. We've got the new mics. We've tested everything. Hopefully, if I can get the levels yeah. worked out for when we edit this, mm-hmm. um, we should be ready to rock and roll with rolling, rolling in some guests. But I'm also, also really yes excited the about the fact that we can call people in. Like that is really cool. Yes, that's a cool aspect. I'm I'm excited to talk to you know. Some of my friends that are out of the state from, you know, and some of yours, maybe, you know, I don't know. You haven't really talked. Actually, that would be really cool. Yes, we could do that. Um, You know, just some people that we haven't necessarily talked to that I know that have listened to our podcast. That would be kind of cool to bring them in and hear their experience where, you know, some of them might be in a small community. But for the most part, you know, we're doing theater down here and they're doing theater in places that pay you a whole lot of money. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, what's that like? That would just be interesting to hear that po- that part of the conversation. But anyway, I'm, I'm excited about, like, those aspects of, of moving forward. And just the fact that, like, we have, you know, so many episodes now. Like, this is crazy to me. I don't know if I'll ever get over it. Yeah, it is strange. But we beat the other scene partners, and now we're the... We're the only ones. That's right. Yeah, they never existed. Okay, um, I'm going to say that uh, that was uh, Christoph and I was. Goodbye. <laughs>